kept recording going here too, just in case. So, good morning, everybody. This is Phil Stevens with Iron Radio. I'm a strength coach, powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, Iron Strength Guild, and a bunch of other stuff. Glad to be back. Nice. Welcome back. This is Dr. Mike Janelson. Uh, teach for the Kerrigan Institute and have the Flux Diet Cert, which is open right now for a few more days and trying to stay warm here in chilly Minnesota. It was minus 18 Fahrenheit yesterday morning. Ooh, so. That's cold. Yeah. The lowest yeah, we got, lowest we got on our trip was negative eight. <laughs> and oh, okay. That's, that was pretty chilly. But I, chilly. We showed up here. And it was odd. We were talking about this with people in Montana. And we showed up back here, and it was 6 degrees. And it was colder here than it was there at negative 8. And they were like, oh, yeah. Like, one of the guys up there in Montana has a have his brother or something lives in Missouri. And he's like, I go down there, it'll be like 5. And he said it's much, feels much colder than it does here because of the lack of humidity, I guess. But Oh, yeah. yeah. Humidity makes a big difference with that stuff. Yeah. So, anyways. But negative 18, man, that's like Phoenix in the summer. People are like, it's a dry yeah. heat. Yeah, but it's 125. I know. <laughs> yeah, so, which is, it uh, is funny, like, the people who are down south, and even people who are in, like, Austin and stuff in the summer, and I love Austin, but I'm like, oh, I don't think you could pay me enough to live in there, like, June and July and August. So, yeah. a little too hot for my taste. <laughs> Anyways, we got sniffles going on today and things, but we're going to chat with you yeah. guys about Happy New Year, of course. To everybody. Yes, and Happy New Year. Christmas. We're going to talk about just that. Various New Year's stuff. The resolutions and goals and predictions. So, Hell, you have any goals for the New Year? Did you, are you a resolution type? Um, Not really. I mean, I, I do find it is a very convenient time to kind of look back at, you know, what you did this past year. Did you make progress? Um. So I do try to set aside some time, you know, to do that. I think it's a good way to kind of recalibrate. And, you know, for me, like I'll know a little bit more of the travel schedule and and what's going on with that. So, I mean, for myself last year, I was, I'd say overall pretty happy with, you know, how everything rolled out considering all the stuff that happened, especially uh, the last part of the year with just, you know, family stuff and a lot of people passed away, you know, both people family related and you know like john meadows and a bunch of other people even in the fitness industry itself so that was pretty difficult uh in terms of quarters and then you know doing the business everything on top of that so um like some of the goals i didn't really have as official goals but just you know just one of those things you just kind of want to do because it'd be fun i got close so for Dumbbell bench press I had on my list to use the 100-pound dumbbells for, like, just five clean reps to start. Eventually, I want to do 100 by 10. Okay. And I got pretty close. I got 95s for five. That was, you know, pretty good speed, not looking like I was going to crap my pants or (laughs) anything difficult. Um, But then travel and a bunch of other stuff kind of was hard to use heavier dumbbells when you're traveling a lot of times in hotels and stuff. So, yeah. Um, so that was good. Um, Denny Stone stuff went okay. The biggest problem was I was an idiot and ripped a callus off my hand, my uh. backhand actually, which is the first time I've done that on those in like six years. Uh. And 
I totally forgot how much that sucks, and you can't yeah. even touch anything in that area. Yeah. So uh, that kind of cost me a couple months, you know, by the time I even got back to, you know, doing it. And then you're so hesitant, you just don't want to do it too early and rip it off again because mm-hmm. then it's just really bad. Um, and then the Thomas Inch dumbbell stuff went pretty good. Um, I've got a replica of 135 pounds that I almost got one hand. I still had to use my opposite hand, but just pressure from my index finger. Um, so that's good. Eventual goals to, you know, deadlift the inch dumbbell, which I have here. Uh, was able to get the inch dumbbell off the ground for a couple reps using my opposite hand on the side to stop the rotation. So obviously not a, a complete clean lift, but at least I was able to do something with it instead of it just collect dust. So that was good. <laughs> it like got off the ground, which is a good thing. Wow. Um, yeah, but then the main goal I had was, uh, kiteboarding. Uh, goal was to hit a 20 foot jump and was in South Padre for, it was about five and a half weeks. And the second session I had, I hit a 16.7 and I was like, Oh, this will be easy. And, I looked at my stats that day and that was the only jump I had over like 10 feet. So oh. yeah, I did it, but it was more of a uh, dumb luck than, <laughs> than I was gonna say, a goal like that. You're also dependent. It's like, you're not, it's not all you, you're dependent no. on weather conditions and everything else waves, I suppose. And yeah. And yeah. that was the hard part because yeah. you know, the rest of the trip was good. Wind overall was pretty good. I did like 20 plus sessions, rode over 400 miles total um, and I had a, probably the best session I've ever had, like, uh, 11 days before we left, it was in the evening and it just felt like everything finally was like hitting right. Like you could easily do over 10 feet, like no problem. You could land it. I can make adjustments in the air. So I was like, ah, oh, this is going to be great. Like next big windy day, you know, no problem. And then we had one day that was okay wind and then eight days in a row before we left with just nothing. nothing. I was like, yeah. oh man. Yeah. So you're... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of a bummer, but definitely a lot of practice. And then the other hard part too, like you said, is conditions. And then when the conditions change, you're using different gear, right? Yeah, so right. I may be using my 12 meter kite. I may be using my eight. I may be using a 10. I may be using a 17. I may be using a large board, small board. Gotcha. And for jumping, this just, it's just a lot. You're trying to do like three to four things within like, you know, half a second at the same yeah. time. It's just a lot of just getting the timing down. And then once you get that down, just sometimes borrowing somebody else's balls to actually do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'd say overall things, you know, went pretty good. Like coming here, still working more on, uh, probably the inch dumbbell. I'll probably put that up higher than, uh, some of the Denny, <clears throat> some of the Denny Stone stuff. Uh, doing more on squats and, uh, started back just doing straight bar deadlift for a little while. Most of everything I did before was the axle. Um, Doing a little bit more anvil stuff. Uh, that went good at the grip competition that I did. So I got a PR on that and kind of the rolling thunder knockoff. So I was pretty happy with that. Uh, pinball didn't go well, but I didn't train for it. So I <laughs> didn't really care. Oh. Yeah. Yourself? Very good. Not bad. I mean, same crap. I did my, my one meat a year. Actually, this last year I ended up doing two because the year before got all messed up and there were no yeah. meats. I usually compete in November and there was like nothing. Uh, um, nothing open. So I pushed that back till March. So I ended up doing a March and November meet. This was the year of, of me sneaking into single ply. And, uh, no, I don't it, think you it was sneak a good... into single ply. Yeah, it looks like well. a thing to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But I'm not uh, sneak up on that shit. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's good. It was a good learning experience, and you know, the second meet, of course, was definitely better than the first meet. Just more time sure. in the, in the stuff, and it was it was a shocker for me. I mean, everybody says they're getting. You know, even out of, like, the single-ply suit I ended up getting the first meet, it was different than the second meet. Um, and people are telling me, oh, I get, like, 200 out of my suit and this and that. I got, like, 40, 50 pounds out of it. 200 so, out of a single-ply? Yeah, and that's what people were telling me. And I'm like, okay, wow. well, I'll try it. And uh, That seems high. You know, I got into it, and I I roughly got 40, 50 pounds out of it. And it's like, oh, hey, hmm. that probably sounds more reasonable. Yeah. Uh, no, just learning that is fun. You know, it's a different groove and and things like that. So, but uh, so I hit that seven sixty seven or whatever it was, and nice. So that was a what was it forty pound PR. Oh, that's so, good. That's a big PR, especially at those weights. Five, I guess. Seven twenty two was my best raw, and now seven sixty seven is my best in equipment. But I was also forty pounds lighter. So oh and, yeah. So, and that's kind of where I'm at now. You know, my new year is going to be figuring out. I'm I'm thinking about going to 242 because I'm right in that weird zone. I'm at like 251. Oh, so, okay. I'm right in between yeah. the 242 yeah. and 275. And I know I don't want to go up to 275 again and fill it out. I'm just getting too old for that. Yeah. But do I want to, you know, I can comfortably eat and stay right where I'm at. You know, I yeah. can stay here and not think about it. So it's like, eh, what's the point in 242? But I'll have to go look. And, you know, the only reason I'd do it is if I could set some crazy record or something. But the weird thing in powerlifting is, in general, the 242 class is a more competitive class than the 275 class. So a lot oh, of Oh, yeah, especially now. Yeah, a lot of times the records in 242 are higher than 275. Um, so weird. Yeah. And well, I think it's, it's most people that step over 242 just go like 308 or super. They're, uh, they're, they're stepping oh, yeah, into 275. Like I'm going all the way up. Yeah. It's like a 275 class is a weird stepping stone. You know, they'll go from 242, mm-hmm. they'll hit a 275 meet on their way up. You know, so not a lot of people stay 275 a long time. I've been one of the few people that does. Um, and so you'll see really big records at 242, really big records at 308 and super. But then mm. in between at 275. So we'll see. I'm thinking about going ahead and going to 242 and just living life down there. If I do it, it won't be a – it won't be just for the meat. It'll just be the, hey, this is probably better for me in the long run. Yeah. Of, and just stay down there. But, and, uh, you know, so the training for the meet went good, doing a lot of work with new people, so that's good. Um, I tore my hand, too, for the first time in years, getting ready for that meet. Ugh. I was, like, seven weeks out, and we were doing some rep deadlifts, and I was like, oh, I'm good. And then uh, on rep five, it just slipped, and I was like, God. And I knew my grip yep. wasn't right, and I was like, I'll keep going. I just got one more rep. And yep. it was that one that did it. The bar just slid and took a huge chunk out of my hand. And I was like, God. So, but luckily it was in, like I said, I think it was seven weeks out. So by the time the meet got there, I was good. I just strapped up. Yeah. And all my training before that. And, yeah. Uh, that was the yeah. same thing I had too. It was like, 
I was, I was trying to get a PR for, was it three or four reps? I don't remember the rate. The weight was five, 25 or something. I don't know. Somewhere around there. And I was doing it and the first two went, ah, oh, that was pretty good. I readjusted my hand and you could feel the back was off a little bit. Uh-huh. And I remember as I started pulling, I'm like, uh, it feels off a little bit. I'm like, nah, it'll be fine. Yep. I, I actually thought, well, I wonder how my calluses will hold up because I haven't ground them down as much as normal. They're, you know, kind of not the best wear pattern right now. I'm like, oh, I've never ripped one off on my backhand. I'll be fine. You know, <sighs> make the route. And all of a sudden I'm like, something's wet on my yep. backhand. I look back, there's like just blood running out of my hand uh, already. Shit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, that's the same way I was. I was like, damn it. And, uh, yeah. Other and the second you do it, you know, you're just like, ah, oh, such an idiot. <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't hurt too bad when it happens. It's later when you're cleaning it off and crap. It's oh, like, oh, oh <laughs> yeah. And then when it dries out after and it's healing, because it's your hand is a, something you use all the time. So it's not like just stick a bandaid over it, it'll be fine. It's you know it's on a part of your body that moves a lot, so it's always cracking yeah. and. But. Yeah, I had just left the little flap on it, so I tried to pin that back down for at least a day or two, and it fell off, you know, right yeah. away. But at least that was helpful because that kind of protected it just a little bit for a while till it could start to scab over. But yeah, yeah, I did find that there's this 3M. Uh, Nexus waterproof tape. It's kind of like a tan color. I yeah. use it to wrap some by my fingers if I get, you know, uh, blisters, kiteboarding and stuff. And so I wrap that around there. And that actually is the only tape I found that actually holds up relatively well. It's not amazing. Um, but it's not too bad if you kind of wrap it well and you leave it on there for about 10 to 12, 15 minutes before you lift. And it seems to work pretty good. It's the only thing I found that actually even sticks. So, okay. Yeah, I always just lean towards straps when that happens. It's like, okay, here we go. But yeah, yeah. I always I tear straps. I tear down in my palm, not on my fingers. So really, yeah, that's where I always tear. But I grab really. I I just years ago I changed to grabbing for deadlift. Not on my fingers. I grab it real deep into my thumb joint, so it's, I, the, my palm's carrying a lot of the weight. You must and, have, uh, like, kind of longer palms, too, don't I you? I got fairly big mitts. <laughs> yeah, I got fairly big. I got, sh- yeah, shorter fingers and bigger palms, and okay, really oddly sense. short thumbs. Like, I can't, I can't hook grip very well because mm. my thumb's short. Oh, my other okay. fingers, but I can't, so I can, I'll hook grip, but it'll pop off because I'm just catching my thumb. Oh, um, interesting. Whereas you watch other people, they got like two fingers on their thumb. I was like, how the hell you do that? But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got big, meaty troll palms. And then, yeah, so. But, I bet you'd be really good with like pinch deadlift then. Yeah, I do fairly good at that. Yeah. yeah you mess around with some things like that. And doing the dumb stuff. I see people post it like trying to like juggle plates, bumper plates. Because you watch people do that. Where you hold the like a forty five pound bumper and spin it and then try and catch it again. Oh, oh yeah, tough. I love doing that stuff. Like that's plate a tough plates. one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, those are tough. But yeah, the that's problem a I have like pinch exercise. Yeah, the forty fives are a pain. Holy crap! Trying to because with the bumper there, there's no lip. Oh, the bumpers are hard because they're yeah. thicker too. Yeah, they're thick and there's no lip and trying to it's it's not so much it's the it's the explosive portion of it 
to get the thing to flip that's hard. Because oh, you pull okay. fast, you pull fast, and it wants to fall out of your hands. Yeah. You, know, you can lift it up slowly, and it's easy. I mean, that's the whole reason behind hook grip for weightlifting. You know, right. So they can explode, and it doesn't fall out of their hands. They have the same, same issue with the 45-pound place. But that stuff, we mess around with that stuff. It's fun. Get to have things that are fun. But, yeah. The other one is just an old-school uh, plate curl. Right, yeah. so stick your your hands all the way out, put the plate on it where your fingers are underneath, and then put your thumb on top, so that uh, your hand, your wrist, and everything is supporting the full load, and then do curls that way. Um, so that's a super awesome wrist, uh, open hand, uh, finger development exercise too. Nice. Yeah, and then for me, I don't know. This coming year, I'm I'm diving headfirst into this frequency thing which i always sucked at hmm. um because whenever i trained i liked training all out so and training super frequent and super intense don't mix well so <laughs> <laughs> um, but just with the way my life is now like i'm busy all the time so i'd have these workouts planned and a lot of times for me it's just in my head i'm going to do this and I'll write it in my book when I get there. But then I then life happens. Yeah. It's like, well, if I'm just going to get that done, I only got 20 minutes. So I'm just not going to do it. And so I found myself putting a lot of a lot of my workouts besides my Saturday, my main Saturday, one off. So I've switched to training six days a week. And most days are no more than 25 minutes. And it's just a couple moves, two to three moves in and out. And I can get those in no matter what. It's like I have no excuse to, even if we're super busy at the gym, like, hey, guys, the next 20 minutes is mine. Yeah. (laughs) And I can knock that out. Or, you know, I'll have a slow part in between new clients coming in. And, yeah, so I'm going to mess around with that for this whole year. And uh, basically Monday through Friday are my shorter, easy sessions. And then Saturday is still my squat. I do all my squats and deadlifts on that same day. So far, it's working good. Um, the other thing I figured out last year is I went back to the ring push-up thing because my bench is just, since I tore my labrum, it's just bad, and I don't have it repaired. Um, uh, I've been up to 405 since I did that twice, and both times it was from doing almost exclusively ring push-ups because it's the one move I found of a pressing move that doesn't cause me pain. Hmm. my shoulder afterwards anything benching pressing all that i will be dying like trying to sleep and my shoulder's killing me uh but for some reason ring push-ups and i think part of it is because i'm not stuck in a you know a single plane of motion i'm not internally rotated and stuck to a bar Uh, your scaps aren't pinned against the bench yeah Yeah. and i'm able to just that my i'm able to my hands turn and yeah, I'm not stuck, and I have no issues. Like the, I can go over and bench like 185. I have pain. I go get on ring pushups and have somebody, somebody put a hundred pound plate on my back. I'm fine. Hmm. So it's, but uh, I did that coming up to this last meet, and it's the first meet in a long time where I have a thing. I I always just ever since this happened, I just go in and open every meet at 315, and then we see how it feels. Um, and this is the meet. Like I did all three attempts, and there was zero pain, and I did nothing. I benched once in the. 12 weeks I was getting ready hmm. just to make sure I could do it. And that was like eight weeks out. And uh, I had zero pain. So it's like, okay, dummy, you know, you've done this. <laughs> you've come back and benched 405 numerous times. You keep trying to bench a bunch. You keep getting in pain. 
when you do ring push-ups, you don't hurt, do freaking ring push-ups. So, um, so I'm doing that in super light dumbbell bench, um, like 40s. Yeah, and, just for reps. Yeah, well, I think that's like an thing. underrated thing too. Yeah, so just getting reps in on one day with that, and then heavier ring push-ups another day, and some super light overhead pressing. Um, and I'm just doing all that stuff that I need to do. Yeah. Uh, lots of chins and pull-downs and little rows and you know, lateral raises and just stuff. But, uh, so yeah, and we'll see. You know, I'll plan a meet again for November and go single play again and either be a light 275 or a heavy 242er. So, <laughs> yeah, other than that, I'm not big on the resolution thing. I'm all for it if you think you can do it. But my yeah, if it problem works with, for you. Yeah. My problem with resolutions is, like, I'd love to see a statistic on it, but it has to be in the 90% range fail. Oh, it's got to be high. I've tried <laughs> to find actual stats on it. I think I had some at one point, and it was after six weeks, I want to say it was in, like, the 80 or 90% of people were already kind of off the wagon. Yeah. And it's like, whereas my big thing is if, if you want – if if you have a goal in mind, say, oh, it's, it's November, and you're like, come January 1st, it's going to be a new me. Well, just start. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you don't have to – I think the biggest problem with people in New Year's resolutions is – it's like we've talked about before with goals. They they change everything overnight to the point it's very novel and neat for the first week or two. And then the novelty and the neatness of changing your whole life so drastically dies off really fast. Yeah. And, and then they, uh, whereas if they back in November, if they had just changed one thing and then changed another thing in December and then changed another four weeks later in January, now you've got three things changed and you took a month to get used to each little change. Um, and people tend to stick to it better, but. And that's the whole reason, I mean, well, not the whole reason, but um, a big reason why we just shut down, like, I don't take new clients in January at the gym. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, distance. Because I just got tired of my time being wasted. Come January, I'd gain all these people, and the kind of gym I have is not a, it's not like a global gym where you just come in and do your things. Like, I have to coach every single one of them. Mm-hmm. And I got tired of getting my time wasted for two to five weeks just for to have these people not show it's, it wasn't worth the money they give me for that one month. Cause oh, you know, no. you come for two weeks, I'm not refunding you, but you just ate up a shitload of my time. Yeah. Uh, because when you're a new person, of course I need, I, they need more one-on-one time with me because yeah. they're new. So and I'm even if they're somewhat the, experienced, like yeah. they don't know the culture, they don't know how you run stuff, like what's going on, <laughs> just all that stuff. Yeah, so I'm investing all this time just to have them walk out. So uh, I did have two people, I think, join halfway through December because they knew the uh, my band was coming up. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, I'm going now. Bill band. Yep, and uh, I'm sure we'll have a few come February, which is fine. It's like, yeah, yeah. If I've had that work out positively before. Like people come in January 1st, like, I want to join. Well, you nope, you got to wait till February if you're still yeah. in. And I've had a few come back in February, and then they've stuck to it. So yeah. they're so they they were serious enough about their their goal that they waited the four weeks and came back. So 
Yeah. And I mean, yeah. the gym's rocking. Everything's going well. So, yeah, I've done something similar with <clears throat> online clients where, I mean, I've been pretty lucky like this past, oh God, probably a year and a half. I don't even think I've officially even opened up the one-on-one to anyone in the public or even on my newsletter, maybe once. Um, and a couple of people have joined just via referral from, you know, existing clients and that type of thing. And a few people have graduated, but I tend to not do any <clears throat> promotions in January just for that reason. It's the catch 22 because if you have like kind of a, a group program, so I did open the flex diet cert at mm-hmm. that time, you know, for other coaches looking to, to use it or possibly people to use it on themselves. But I found just if I'm already close to what my max is for online or even just a few short, I typically wait until February for the same reason. Yep. Like I want people that are, you know, pretty committed to it, not just trying to, yeah, I might give this a try. And the yeah. reality is I have a you have to fill out an application and then you have to do a call and it's not cheap. So that tends to weed out a lot of those people right away too, which yeah. is great. <laughs> yep. yep. No, I totally agree. And it's just, I have no time for time wasters. <laughs> it's like, I don't yeah. have time. The most precious thing in my life besides my family is my time. And I just don't have a lot of it, so don't waste it. So, Yeah. And that's why I also went with the minimum to six months. God, yeah. I probably changed that three years ago. I used to have okay. a three-month minimum. And looking back, I wish I would have changed that way sooner. I mean, I'm even thinking about going to possibly a year being a minimum uh, not a potentially in the future. Yeah, because like at three months, I mean, crap. Like you do an assessment and sometimes if it's a, you know, like a good buddy of mine, he just signed up through a referral. So his assessment took him a week, you know, because it's, you know, training He's looking at some running stuff and some rowing on top of it. And then you've got the first program, which you're just trying to figure out how much volume they can handle. What do they like? What does their body respond to? You've already eaten up seven weeks, Mm -hmm. right? And then now you've got maybe another block of actually a little bit more useful training because you're starting to understand how each other work and what they like and what they respond to. And then you're potentially done. It's like, yep. oh, crap. <laughs> yep. So yeah, having a minute of six months is a lot better. And, you know, a couple of people that have been referrals lately have just done a year, which yeah. makes me feel a lot better. And they were they were super cool. They were, like, realistic about it. They're like, yeah, you know, for me to do this, in my experience, you know, it's, it's probably going to be about a year. I'm like, oh, cool, yeah, I've, yeah. You know, I'd agree with that. And, you know, maybe if we hit it sooner, we'll work on some other goals. But, you know, if not, we're not trying to burn you out within, you know, a couple of weeks and risk injury and everything else, especially for people that are not professional athletes. I mean, they're yeah. most of them are all trainers, and they're pretty committed to the lifestyle, but they're also not getting paid directly to lift either. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good having people. People don't understand that a lot. When you talk to the lay people that are somebody that's just getting into this, that like you have a three month minimum or six month minimum, like at the bare minimum three months, like we can start to get things done and making people realize that like, like you can't go to a coach and get a month training program and expect to make drastic results. Ugh, it just no. doesn't happen, but people want that. And that's like, that's like what I've talked about it on the social media. Like one thing that annoys me is I get people that they, they'll they just come like they'll train all year long and then be like, hey, I'm 10 weeks out from meat. You want to give me a oh, no. program? <laughs> and it's like uh, they don't realize like literally in a peaking program for a meet, 
we're not really getting stronger. No. We're realizing the work you've done the other 10 months of the year. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's like, so if, if you don't do well, it's mainly because you sucked the rest of the year. It's not my 10 week program. You know? Yeah. Uh, that's a tough one. And getting people to realize that because that, that's a big thing. People do that all the time. And I see them bounce. There's, there's one person I've seen that's just like every two months they have a new coach. It's like, holy shit. Uh, what are you doing? And it's like, I'm not touching that one with a 10 foot pole. Like, don't no. even ask me. I'm not <laughs> one there. And, oh, if I have any suspicions of that, I just ask him outright, who have you worked with and for how long? Yeah. And, uh, odds are, if they've worked with enough coaches, I know one or all of them, or I can find someone who does. You know what yeah. I mean? It's not that big of an industry unless they're just complete unknowns they're working with. Yeah. And then I just look to see how long they've worked with each one. And yeah. if it's a couple months, you're like, I don't think this is going to work. Like, yep. the minimum red now flags. is a year. <laughs> yep. red, red flags. Yeah. That's what the crazy thing. I was at the gym last night. And one of my guys that's been with me forever, and I didn't realize he'd been there this long. Uh, this kid, he came into me, started when he was 16, and he'll be 26 this year. Wow, that's been crazy. coming to my gym for 10 years. That's and awesome. And I've been under you for 10 years. And yeah, he went on to, you know, he's a high school kid. I got to see him through college, and then he's he's now a PT. So very cool. And yeah, still comes to me. <laughs> and you know, we've moved on. You know, and. The good thing with him is, like, he has aspirations. He's a PT that wants to know this stuff, which is fucking Even great. <laughs> yes. So it's like, here's your – he has me, like, give him homework and stuff. Uh, and now we're at that point where he's he's working on – with me on doing his own programming so he can better understand programming and things like that. It's like, I love that shit. I want to learn. Oh, I mean, yeah. uh, I want people to – like, I want athletes that come into my place to – Hopefully, at one point, get to the point they don't need me. Yeah. Because they've learned enough. Now, I will say, a lot of your higher-end athletes, they don't even want that. Um, no. They don't care. No. I don't, I don't care how it's done. I do, just coach. want results. Tell me what to do. Yeah. But it's their, that's because it's their job. You know, it's yeah. Basically, getting, at that end, they're getting, you know, they're getting money. Their, their life is that. So it's like, I can understand. They don't have that bandwidth. It's like, I don't even need to worry about that. You just tell me what to do, and let's make shit happen. Yeah. <laughs> But then your your more regular people or people that are kind of in the industry somewhat like him, it's it's good. You know, we get to talk a lot and shoot ideas off each other. And here's why. Learning more of the whys behind it. Um, why are we doing this? Okay, great. Let's talk. Um, so yeah. I mean, I do that on some programs. Like uh, another guy just started. Uh, and I don't know if I have permission to mention his name, so I won't. But. You know, runs a very big gym in a big city, uh, super busy guy, awesome guy, known him for years. Uh, but, you know, very inquisitive, like, well, you know, why do we do this thing and that thing? Which is great, you know, yep. because, you know, part of what I do since I work with so many, you know, trainers and other coaches is just explaining, you know, here's why I'm doing this. It may not yep. be the best thing or the worst thing, but at least here's my rationale as to why we're doing it. So after his assessment and did the first uh, training plan, I ended up doing a video that ended up being like 25 minutes of like, here's your assessment results. Here's what we found with this. Here's why we programmed, you know, this and this and that way. And, um, yeah, cause I think that's 
you know, at least the, the people I work with, that's part of what they're paying me for. Yep. You know, they want it to be sort of done for them so they know what to do, but, you know, they want it to be a learning experience also. Yep. So at the end, they can maybe apply that to, you know, other people they work with or just have more knowledge of themselves and what works for them. Yeah, and it keeps you on your toes too. Oh, yeah, uh, because I have to justify. Yeah. He's going to, you, you know, right to the ass, like, hey, why do we do this assessment? And if I'm yeah. like, um, I don't know. He's like, well, that's stupid. I'm like, yeah, yeah good point. <laughs> yeah. We did it because you're supposed to do an assessment. You're right. <laughs> you know? uh, no, and that's a big one. And it's, I have to constantly remind that to myself. So like, I tell all my clients when they first come in, I said, if I'm ever having you do something and you're wondering why and you ask me and I can't answer you, I'm fucking up, not you. Yes. You know, 100%. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be just having you do shit. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, now I will, tell you this i have certain clients that there's there's certain things we do is because they think it's fun oh 100 that's 100 percent. yeah it's like okay yeah. they enjoy that and i have them do it because they enjoy it even if i don't like totally agree with that whatever that is um if it's asinine i'll just like yeah you're not doing that that's dumb yeah. <laughs> that's dumb and dangerous we're skipping that but uh but a lot of times there's just things that like my high school freaking football boys like i don't think bench is that important to them, but they all want to do it. Oh, of course so, they do. <laughs> so, so we'll still do it. Um, I give them that. It's like, yeah, okay, you can do your bench. It's really not going to help you much, but uh, okay. <laughs> We're just not going to max it out very often. Um, yeah. Yeah. I have that on the a form, and one of it is, you know, what one exercise do you think is responsible for most of your results? And if they – Put the dumbest thing on there, you know, uh, right ping dumbbell curls standing on a BOSU ball with my yeah. left leg. Unless I feel that it's going to be endangering them and their risk of injury is like, you know, super high. If they're like, you know, round back deadlift 455, I'm like, eh, <laughs> probably not a strongman competitor yet there, uh, bro. Um, so unless I think they're going to injure themselves, then I'm going to put it in their program because they're going to look and be like, Hey, I told this guy this is like the thing that gets me results, and this dumbass didn't even put it in there. Yeah. And then hopefully over time we'll try to change it a little bit so it's not as stupid if it is stupid. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of times you find that, you know, they've got more reps, they know their body better than I do. That that thing is what works for them. So yeah. great, I'm gonna use that and leverage that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, what have we got predictions wise? I can't even think of much. It's gonna be we talked a little of... bit about CrossFit before we started. I guess there's yeah. some stuff going on with them again. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, my prediction for them is it's gonna keep its. It's gonna keep its downward trend. Um, they just I don't even know the the whole reasons behind it. I just know the whole CrossFit oh half the CrossFit community is up in arms because Dave Castro got fired. Mm. Looking at that place from the outside, and it's like I told you from before, before the whole thing with Dave Glassman went down and everything, like literally they had a business that all they needed to do was like keep oil on the engine and air in the tires and let that son of a bitch roll. And it was going to oh, keep yeah. doing awesome. Yeah. Like just, I mean, do the regionals, do the games once a year. Yeah, and do and the open. Don't yeah, get rid of the goddamn open. open. That's where a lot of your money comes from. Yeah. And a lot of the – it's why – 99% of your athletes in it aren't going to the regionals or the games. Right. They're doing it to 
because it was awesome to see where you stack up. Yeah. Like, all they had to do is not fuck this thing up. Yeah. <laughs> no. And they had everything in place to keep doing that. It wasn't yes. like they needed the infrastructure. They they had it all in place to do it. And uh, they just keep shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, now, I can't say that they shot themselves in the foot on this because I personally think from the little bit I know of Dave and the people I know of, not Glassman, but Castro. Dave, too. Uh, Glassman, I guess, as well. Like, most of the people I talk to you think he's a fucking asshole. So, yeah, that's uh, kind of been the opinion I've heard of people around him. But, again, I've never met the guy, so I can't say in person. But, yeah. yeah so maybe it's a – maybe it'll be a positive in the in the future. But also you just let go of the person that is like the face of the games. Oh, yeah. Has been, he has been since the induction of it. Right. So it'll be interesting to see how it changes and, you know, how many people jump ship. A lot of people just bailed when the Glassman stuff went down. Yeah. Uh, like high-level people. Like Oh, yeah. Uh, Froning and stuff was like, I'm out. Yep. <laughs> so, and that's like, he was like the Michael Jordan of the sport. Um, you know, he's, if, if somebody sold a a shoe for CrossFitters, it would be the Froning. You know, hundred oh, percent. Uh, you know that's that's how high he was. He was like looked at as the, you know, even even if people won after him, which they did, like yeah. it was, they still looked at him as the OG. Yes, uh, and to have him bail and like it was bad things, but that'd be my one prediction that sticks out to me is that what what do you think on the uh, the supplement side? What's going to be the big thing this year? I don't know. Like I. There's always a new push for, you know, more new stimulants. Um, there's a couple that have some some data. I mean, I think teocrine will be a little bit more popular. So methylibrine is the other one. Um, I don't know. I've used both of them. I think maybe in combination with other ones, they might be helpful. Like by themselves, I didn't notice a huge difference. But again, like we've talked about before, on the stimulant side, you know, what is not a pharmaceutical drug? What's mm-hmm. an actual supplement? And if you do find something that works and becomes popular, uh, hopefully there's no side effects. But yeah. even if there isn't and it's relatively safe, uh, like ephedra was, which, again, ephedra does have some side effects. It's not 100% safe, but relatively safe if you're not an idiot with dosing, etc. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to get banned. Yep. <laughs> so... If you're a company, especially looking at Raws, it's a lot of investment. I mean, yeah. I mean, I know some of the guys who did some of that work on it, and it's it's not cheap, and it's you know, taken many years to get to the point where, eh, if I read some of the studies, I you know, I kind of give it a big maybe, you know, at yeah. this point. Um, so it might be something else in that area. Another one is uh, paraxanthine. I think will probably be pretty popular. They just got. Approval. They did a press release on it, what, a couple months ago now? So I talked to uh, Dr. Ralph Yeager about that. Uh, Sean Wells is involved with them, too. And it's one of those things where it was just like, I had this idea a while ago, and I was an idiot for not following up on it because I just assumed it had been done because it was so obvious. But it's just a downstream metabolite of caffeine. So it's uh, generally regarded as safe. It's in the food chain. And you can probably buy it coming up now as a supplement. And I don't know if they have a patent on it or not. I think they do. Um, some of the early, early data, it looks interesting. And mechanism is all there. So 
Yeah, because we had, you know, the other ones had already been tried as supplements, so I just assumed that one had been tried and just disregarded. But <laughs> looks like it hadn't been. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. So that should be interesting. And then I just did a new video on a new form of leucine called dilucine. Okay. Uh, so dilucine is a little bit different structure of leucine. It's found in some whey uh, protein isolates in high amounts. And the study done from Nick Bird's lab showed that two grams of dilucine compared to two grams of leucine uh, was a little bit better uh, for a fractional synthetic rate. So how well you can take amino acids and shove them into muscle tissue uh, was done in healthy young males. So that's good. The downside is that it's a small study, N of 10, uh, power on it looks okay. Uh, but all they did is just compare, you know, two grams of dilucine to two grams of leucine. Right. Gotcha. So we don't know in the background of a higher, you know, protein diet. Does it matter? You know, if yeah. you start combining it with essential amino acids, which you're going to need, does it matter? But that doesn't really stop the supplement industry from marketing it, nor oh, no. do I think it should. And, you know, I kind of go back and forth on that, too, because, man, compared to half the shit that's rolled out, this already has more data than almost any of it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But at the same point, it's probably going to be, you know, years before we know in the grand scheme of things, does it make a difference? Right. Because yeah. um, you would need to look at a higher protein intake. You would then have to scale up to a chronic human subject study uh, to see adding it. Does it what does it translate to in terms of muscle gain, et cetera? And I know they're looking at doing some of those studies, but they take time and it's even harder now. And it's friggin expensive to do that. And sad reality in the supplement world is you're not required to do any of that. Yeah. You know, so the fact that you even have some data, you've already kind of gone above and beyond. Um, so I think that one will probably be pretty popular. And then um, the last one, which, again, I guess I've already made public. Who knows? But I'm still looking at lactate as a potential supplement. Okay. So if anyone is looking at that or doing any of that, please get in touch with me, but um, I've kind of given up like a, years ago, I went around and talked to people in the supplement industry trying to do this, and then as of probably five years ago, I'm just like, screw it, I'll just be very public about it, and someone steals my idea, hopefully maybe they'll think nice things and help me out at some point, I guess, yeah. I don't know, but it's just one of those things where I'm like, I just want to know if it works or not, Yeah. You know? It should, and at the risk of saying anything else, it's off patent now, too. So, but again, the pro and con is what level of data do you need to push something in a world where almost no data is accepted? Yeah. Like, no, it's worse than that, Mike. Like, it's worse than no data is accepted. Oh, you like, just make up data. <laughs> they fucking, these companies put up studies that, like, go against their shit. Yeah, we saw that on the deer no antler stuff. They just yeah. assume no one's going to read it. Yeah, it's like, the it's even worse. It's like, this says it sucks. But nobody's right. going to read it, so we're going to put it up there like it's good news. It's right. like they're putting bad news as good news. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's the so. sad fact, but, yeah. I know. So, it... Yeah, so I go back and forth on that. We're looking at trying to get some data on it. And then, yeah, at what point and how much data do you need? Because 
getting data is not cheap in human subjects yeah. and it takes time in addition to all the other stuff you know you would have to have to do also so i don't know at this point i'm just curious to see if it should work or not i did an interview with uh, dr eric rosson which will be out on my podcast coming up where we talked about creatine kind of the history of that and the use of creatine for a brain supplement and i was kind of asking him about some other you know just supplements and pretty much everything in the bioenergetic pathway we've kind of already tested and you know creatine seems to work possibly beta alanine sodium bicarbonate maybe although the dose to crap your pants is pretty high to the efficacious <laughs> dose um but you know atp is an oral supplement never panned out uh, pyruvate never panned out you know adenosine and eh. you know so a lot of all the intermediates have been tried in humans and just not panned out and to me kind of sort of the last one is you know, lactate as a supplement, but you'd have to call it something else because everybody thinks lactate is this evil thing that makes your muscles burn. And that's yeah. just the hydrogen ions that happen to get produced at the same time as the lactate. But the lactate gets reused as a fuel. Yeah. What are your so, thoughts? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the interesting thing with the supplement industry, I'm wondering which one, which supplement that we've seen failed is going to make a comeback. Oh, yeah. Because we see that. Like every year, yes. Like, and it's hard to it's hard to forecast that. It's like it's just whichever one has been quiet long enough that there's a new group of lifters that don't know about it that right. will fall for it again. Um, and the rest of us that have been around, we're like, hey, yeah, we tried that back in 2005. That's right. You know? but they're making a million dollars again, pushing the yeah. same thing. Uh, yeah, my. My guess in that area is we've started to see some of the deer antler velvet stuff again, which is mind-boggling, and we don't need to beat the poor deer again. Um, my other two guesses, as much as it makes me cringe, my three guesses are uh, boron will show up again. That's got to be on its, what, fourth cycle now, I think. <laughs> yeah. uh, another one would be CLA. Uh, which has been touted as a uh, pep, or not a peptide, but a lipid, right? So a fat, uh-huh. helps with fat loss. Uh, Lonnie's done a lot of research on that. Yeah, I remember house. that. There was big, CLA was big there for a while. But. Yeah, and it's, the animal studies are pretty damn amazing, although there is some toxicology stuff that does make me concerned. But the human subject studies have all just been, like, you know, not very good at all. Yeah. And then, uh, do you remember vanadyl sulfate? Yeah, I have a prediction that that'll show up again, although that one with some toxicity at higher doses makes me kind of concerned, too. Gotcha. Yeah. Not that I recommend any of those three. <laughs> <laughs> They're just coming out again. That's my guess, but who knows? Like, it, yeah. Any predictions from you? God, no. No. <laughs> I, I did not even think about it, so I'm not, you know, because I'm never surprised. Like, oh, here they go again. Yeah. And it's just like the diets. Like, people like taking diets and naming it something new. It's like, oh, yeah, that, you know, he did that back in 84. And, right. Um, no, I think the big thing with any of that stuff, well, not supplements, but with diets and training, and we were talking about this last night at the gym, was like they all work. Sure. The problem is, is when people look at them all, they'll look at, like, seven training programs that are different and they, they like parts of them. 
So they try and take the seven parts they like from seven different programs and make an amalgamation, and it goes wrong. Yeah. So, because no they don't know the reasoning behind it. It comes back to the whole why. Um, uh, a lot of the whys don't fit together. But um, Yeah, and then diet world, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. Usually there's something that's king at the time. Like, we had carnivore going there for a bit, and we had this, and it's like one person's in the forefront. Right now it's like all of them are kind of quiet. Yeah. I don't see one, like, making a big push right now. Um, everybody's kind of doing their own shit. And, uh, yeah. so who knows the diet end? I don't know. Maybe it's extreme low carb diets are going to come back or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it seems to... like keto's kind of gone down a little bit. Paleo's kind of gone down a little bit and carnivore is still around. It's, it's I think what you'll see is you'll have some trend happen and then it'll just fracture into a small little world. Yeah. Right. So that was my prediction with carnivore. I was like, okay, when it first started, wow, that's crazy. This is a thing. And then yeah. two, oh, Phil's meat cleanse was right. <laughs> <laughs> and then three was, okay, how long is it going to take for them to start adding stuff to this? And you're back to what kind of looks like a paleo diet yeah. again. Yeah. Right. For a while, then it was, oh, honey's okay. And then last I heard from some fruit was okay on it. And I, I tuned out since then. So I'm like, oh, okay, so you're kind of back at a paleo-type diet again. No, no, this is carnivore. Like, those vegetables are still evil. Okay, you know. <laughs> yeah. And for some people, it works. Like, I have a client who's currently trying it now as a form of elimination. You know, Jody's tried it off and on over the past couple of years, and it's worked really well for her. So I do think there's populations of people who have issues you're trying to resolve that it can be, you know, super useful for. However, to roll that out and say like only eat this one thing is the best thing for everyone. Yeah. Like that, uh, that just doesn't even make sense to me. Yeah. That's a hard one for me as far as like, I, I have a, re a healthy respect for like very low carb carbohydrate diets. I used one and I lost a lot of weight at it, but then I also went from there and like added carbs back in and went. Yeah. And it was like, Oh, now I made even more progress. Um, I think there's, it's like anything. There's a tool for the job. But in the end, like, you need to find something that you'll live with forever. Yes. And let yourself do. And a lot of those aren't realistic. Like, where's the 10-year study on if I just eat raw meat? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's going to happen to me? There's In my mind, I'm no nutritionist. I'm no PhD in this stuff. But when you eliminate that much, you got to be missing shit. Yeah, your body's got to be screaming for, give me an apple. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah. any of those types of diets are just, you know, can you probably find a way to do them well? I, yeah. I think you can, right? Just like a vegan diet. You know, I've worked with a few vegan clients in the past for ethical reasons, which I totally respect. And, you know, a couple of them, we got stuff figured out. So they were, they were doing pretty good. But did it take a lot more conscious effort on their part? Oh, yeah. Did they have to eat a lot more food? Oh, yeah. Like all things being easy, was that an easy approach to take? No, it was quite <laughs> quite difficult and required a lot of work. So I think the same thing with carnivore. Like if you're eating liver and heart and you're getting collagen and you're, you know, taking the bone marrow out and, you know, stewing all the bones and yeah. doing all this stuff, you can probably get away and probably be okay. But how many people are going to put in that level of effort yeah, they're not. to do it? That's That's the thing. And so... 
running around saying this is going to solve all your issues when most people don't even know how to cook basic food in their kitchen yeah. and you have to do all these other extra things because you are by definition limited to just eating animals. It, mm-hmm. I think it can be done, but I think people grossly underestimate to do it at a, a decent level, how much work is going to be involved in it. Yeah. Yeah. If no, you're going to do it as a long-term sustainable thing, if you're, you know, again, if you're doing it for a few months or even half a year or whatever, eh, I don't get too worried about it. But, you know, if you start talking five, ten years, then that's a, that's a different ballgame. Yeah, and I think that's that's a resounding theme for most of the extreme diets is the – on the surface, they look simple. But if you dig into them, veganism or carnivorism or whatever, you, like – the people doing it successfully are working their asses off to do it successfully. Oh yeah. Um, and that's, it's the weird thing is it's easy to hide that. It's just like, just eat animals. Right. You know, it's what <laughs> they say and they try and keep it that simple. But, and that's why I loved when we had, uh, coach Dos Remedios on. Yeah. Who was the vegan and probably is a vegan. I haven't talked to him in years, but he was like, I tell people he's like the first honest vegan that I ever met. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He will fly to, as a vegan, he'll tell you that don't do it. It sucks. You know, and you have to work 10 times harder than anybody else to eat, to get in what you need. Um, And it's not the best thing for muscle gains. It's not the best game for sports. Like he's the only vegan I've ever heard, like admit all that stuff. Um, that, and like he came out and pretty much said the only reason to do it is ethical reasons. Yes. Yeah. And that makes sense to me. And it does. It totally makes sense. But why yeah. can't more people be honest like that? Like, I've, vegans and anybody, I'm not, I'm just picking on vegans because it's easy. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but all the extreme diets do this. They, they get their followers and they're like, they, they try and tell, it's the one thing, this is for everybody. You know, this is what you need to do. And most vegans are that way. They're like, oh, if you want to be healthy, you need to just eat this. And it's like, yeah, but I know a lot of vegans that like just eat French fries. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and that's not good. Yeah, yeah. You're technically you're vegan. You're a shitty vegan. You know? So Yeah. I always think of Mike Mahler, who's been doing a vegan diet for a long time, you know, very intelligent guy, trains hard. Um, but you know, that's kind of his his whole lifestyle too, you know, and you can get away with that doing as a trainer and a coach and that makes complete sense, you know. Yes. But he doesn't appear to be over the top of, you know, everyone must do this. Like, if people ask him, he's going to be like, hey, here's, I think, is a better approach, which is totally fair. Um, he's been doing it for many years and, and doing well. But I would imagine that it it may be relatively easy for him to do now just because he's been doing it for so long. But for people to come in and try to do something similar, it's, you know, it's a lot of cooking. you got to know some knowledge of what foods to combine and, you know, different things to do. And it's there's a fair amount of a on-ramp to, to do that in a, a decent way where I think the appeal a lot of times is you can give a simple message of, you know, just eat plants or just eat cows or animals or whatever. But to do it well is going to be more work. But yes. people like the simple message. Oh, this is all I need to do. Yep. Um, and there, there is some niceties about it. Like I said, I have a client who just started it. I'm like, yeah, just go to the store. Anything with eyeballs, just eat it. Yep. I'm like, yep, get more water, probably add a lot of electrolytes to it, especially at first, and then that's it. She's like, that's all I do? 
I'm like, well, that's all you need to know now to start, right? Yeah. You're just starting it. We don't need to make it more complicated. And I'm like, and for God's sakes, don't go on the web and read anything from all the other crazy people doing it. <laughs> and she writes back. She's like, oh, yeah, I did poke around the web a little bit. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, she could become the next liver guy. Um, oh, I had somebody send me a bunch of his stuff, and I was like, what? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. And, and I think there's some merit in organ meats and things, but holy oh, crap. Oh, 100%. No them, you know? To make the claims he does, it's yeah. And looking at him, I hate to pass judgment on someone oh. without knowing their personal decisions, but I think some pharmacy was involved. <laughs> Something more than liver was involved, right? So, for sure. But yeah. I think people who have been around long enough would probably agree. And who knows for sure, right? This is yeah. We're, no, we're not making any. We might help. be dealing with a genetic freak. You never right. know, but. It, even if we are dealing with a genetic freak, you're still talking about somebody that has an advantage over the average population. Exactly. Whether it's although you know, you're not a genetic freak too. Yes. <laughs> Whether that that advantage is natural or you know he enters it himself. Either way, you're right. You, it ain't you. So. Yeah, and you know as we talked about before, it's like everyone makes their own judgments, which is totally fine. I'm not saying something is. Good or bad, as long as you're not competing against others who are tested. But I do get highly annoyed when you know, this is like the old supplement ads too. It's like, yeah. oh, I just took creatine and added ten pounds, or I just yeah. eat meat to look at me. It's like, okay, yeah. you're just not. For God's sake, just be honest. <laughs> yep, that was one neat thing. Like creatine's always a fun one because it came early. It's been yeah. around a long time, and. I can't say 100% if this is true. It's all word of mouth, but it's from very reputable sources um, that when the first batches of creatine came out, that they laced it with D-ball. Oh, yeah. And people put on, of course, they put on 10, 15 pounds. And basically, then they took it away, but it had already, and it makes sense, it had already built up the reputation. Right. So then they could take it out, and people were like, yeah, dude, it puts 15 pounds on you. And... uh you know, and that's not saying creatine isn't bad. Or I think creatine is one of the few supplements that's really good, and it's proven. There's plenty of oh yeah, there's tons plenty of, of science. Yeah, tons of data on the mental aspects of it and everything else. But it's not going to pack on 15 pounds of muscle in no. four weeks. No. Um. But so, yeah. I mean, I've heard that with other pre-workouts back in the day too, that they would spike it with some other interesting compounds yeah. and that would all of a sudden disappear from it. But the, the reputation was it got a lot of people to try the the product and and then you've got Bill Phillips running around saying it feels like DECA and you know Yeah. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Uh, you know. Just just sniff a line of coke before you go lift. It really works. There's lots of data behind it. <laughs> yeah. wasn't it wasn't it Morrow was telling the story that there was some and this could be completely made up and I don't want to pin it on him if it wasn't him but I think it was him telling the story that there was some huge like world powerlifting event in Canada and supposedly there was a huge snowstorm so like the judges never got there and they didn't do any of the testing and they the, all the lifters broke I don't know how many different world records and the rumor was they all just got lit up on cocaine beforehand because they knew they weren't going to be tested. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, I think it was him. And oddly enough, I talk to people about that all the time. Like, I I love where powerlifting has gone. Um, being much more popular, much more people into it. Like, it used to be there was like two meets in an area a year, and they didn't fill up. And yeah. now there's tens of competitions a month, and they fill up in a week. Um, but at the same time, I miss some of the old days, 15, yeah. 20 years ago. The Wild West. Where, like, you'd go in and, like, ah, oh, fuck, I better watch my P's and Q's. I'll get killed. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> One of those health angels over there is going to yep. go over and kill me. And that guy sniffing cocaine off the fucking chalk bowl is probably <laughs> going to hit a PR. <laughs> so it was more, it was a, it was an odd spectacle. I remember, uh, at one of my meets, we, it was in Branson of all places. The, what are they called? The Vegas of Missouri or whatever the hell, Midwest yeah. Vegas. Some dude went to the bath, went to the bathroom and he's in there shooting up testosterone in the bathroom right before he lifts. I was oh. like, what are you doing? Like, oh, I gotta take, <laughs> it's literally not going to help. Yeah. You know, that's not how this works. <laughs> um, but yeah, oh god. So yeah, some yeah, of those old days. Back in the day, of two buddies were talking. Obviously, I won't say their names. And he was like, "Well, you know, like, like how much shit were you back at? You know, on you know back in the day?" And they were doing you know non-tested meets and stuff. Yeah. He's like, "Ah, oh, I can't really say. I don't want to say anything now." And <laughs> and he's like, "Eventually, this kind of goes on for a few minutes." And the guys, he's like, "Well." If we gave you a piss test, what would happen? He's like, I would have melted the fucking cup. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm like, okay, got it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, that's what going up and meeting Dave in uh, Ohio was fun. We got to chat about a lot of that old stuff. And, oh, yeah, just back in the days. That he's seen, you know, just over time too. Yeah. Yeah. But he always has good stories. He does. Yeah, he's very <laughs> animated too. Him and Winler are both that way. Oh God. Yeah. That's still on my bucket list is to like sit down at a bar with Dave Tate and Wendler and just just be a fly on the wall and just yeah, put just two beers in each one of them and watch them go. <laughs> so Alright, well I think that's good. That's our predictions or Yeah. Whatever you want to call them. I hope everybody had a happy new year. I'm glad to be back. Mike's yes. traveling again, but so all right, guys. Well, we'll Sounds talk good. to you next week. All right, see you later. Bye. Bye.